0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen, amen. Well, praise God again. I'm I'm grateful for a godly example to us on uh, what... What a marriage can be. Amen. And so I am uh, thankful. To, thank you, mom and dad, for sharing that with all of us. Praise God. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into the word of God together today. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited about this. You know, we we do love Christmas around here and, and I love Christmas at my house and we celebrate it big and everything. Um, but, you know, honestly, it, it is it's not just about the the gifts and the season and all that, but when you really understand the magnitude of what the Christmas story is, when you really get that revelation in your heart, you're going to love Christmas because it's all about Jesus. It's all about that we were lost, we were dying, we were without hope, we were without any good, and then Jesus Christ came into this world and gave us a reason to live, gave us something uh, to look forward to. Jesus came and gave us hope when we were hopeless, and uh, and and so many more things. I could talk about Jesus all day long and uh, and never get tired of it. But the title of uh, the message today, and it'll be the title of our series that we do over the next few weeks, is this. It's called "Good Tidings." We're talking about good tidings, and you're like. Well, what's tidings? Well, I'm talking about good news. We're talking about good news. And I'm going to show you some verses here in a minute. But, you know, uh, as, as we talk about the good tidings and the good news, I don't know about you, but I could use some good news. And uh, and if you haven't caught on to this yet or not, uh, they, they have this phrase, but bad news sells. People uh, pay more attention to Bad news and negative uh, news headlines and, and 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 news headlines that are full of fear in fact, I, I did some research this week and I found out that study after study literally they found out that ninety percent ninety percent of news headlines are negative headlines and and why is that well you know you put something good on there, people are like yeah oh, that 's cool, whatever, but they want to know what is bad going on in the world. And as Christians, that may seem like, well, I don't, that's not how I feel, but I don't know. It, it's just, it's the, it's factual that 90% of the headlines are negative, bad news. And then I found out that 95% of the time that the media will even uh, exaggerate or Believe it or not, I know it's hard to believe they'll twist some of the truth to make it uh, to uh, magnify and make it seem even worse than what it actually is, because it grabs people's attention. And and so as I was you know reading and studying this out, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Why do people pay so much more attention to the bad than they do the good? and and i try to tell people this all the time listen the good outweighs the bad especially if you're a child of god the good in my life i've had, i've had a few a uh, few hits this year i've had a few things happen but i can say every day in my life The good by far outweighs the bad in my life. I am a blessed man. I have got so many wonderful people in my life, so many awesome uh, things that the Lord's blessed me with. I'm telling you, I am a very blessed man and the good outweighs the bad. And so I saw that this one, uh, this one news website called the city reporter, they decided, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna go opposite. We're gonna report nothing but positive news. And even if there is a bad thing happen in the world, we're gonna find the, the positive light, the good light out of it. And, and we'll report on that. So, you know, say that, that the weather's been really bad. We'll say, well, the weather's been rough, but our, but our street department has kept the streets really clean from the snow, and they'll just put, they'll focus on the good, and you know what happened? They lost 66% of their readers, and so they were like, well, we better get back to the old way, and so they just went back to reporting the bad news all the time, but listen, I'm here to tell you today that because Jesus Christ was born, I've got some really, really, really good news for you that I want to share with you today, and so let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Amen. Luke chapter 2. You came to church to hear good news. There's enough bad news going on in the world. I want to tell you about the good news. And there is plenty of good news in this world. Amen. Luke chapter 2. And we're gonna look at verses 8 through 11. Now, Luke 2 is a great chapter for the Christmas story. And, uh, what we have here is, uh, the angels appearing to the shepherds out in their fields. Jesus, the Messiah, has just been born. And the, and the angels appear to these shepherds. They're out there in the middle of the night watching sheep. That sounds like a fun job, sit in a field and stare at sheep all night. But here they are, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look here at verse eight. It says this. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Like what? an angel shows up and check it out. Hey, if you're out there in the middle of a field and an angel appears in the sky, you'd probably be afraid, too. OK, and so they're like, ah, what is this? And so they're all they're all getting afraid. And then it says, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you what? Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. And so he appears and he tells them the good news. Now these guys, hey... That they they were used to bad news. The people of Israel in this period they were used to. Bad news. The Romans had overtaken them. And they, I mean, Roman soldiers walking down the street every day telling you what to do. You're in your own home country, but there is another country ruling over you. Their soldiers are making you give them money. They're bossing you around. They're busting into your house. It was just not a good time for these people. And they were used to hearing bad news all the time. And then look at this the Savior of the world, the Messiah, is born right there. And it confused them because they're like, wait a minute, the Messiah's not supposed to be a baby, he's supposed to be some warrior. He's supposed to come in here and annihilate the Romans for us. They were looking for some Rambo dude to come in and just wipe out the Roman soldiers and they wanted some blood, they wanted some killing, they wanted some retribution for all that they had been put through. And then the angels show up and say, a little bitty baby was born today, and he is going to be your Messiah. And they're like, what? But check it out. It happened, and Jesus came, and he restored, and he redeemed, and he saved not only Israel, he saved the entire world. I love Jesus. Anybody in here with me? You just absolutely love Jesus. You can't get enough of him. There's never a point in time where I'm like, well, I've read way too much Bible today. I need to slow down on the Jesus thing. No, I always want more of Jesus, and we're going to give you some more of Jesus today. We're going to give you some good tidings of great joy. So let's pray, and we're going to get into the word. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that Jesus was born. We thank you that we're not hopeless, we're not alone, we're not out here fending for ourselves, but that we have a Savior, we have a Messiah, we have a hero, we have Jesus that came to rescue and restore and heal us. And Lord, I pray that as we read your word today, you will speak to us and you will excite us, Lord, and you will show us the good tidings of great joy that you have for us today we thank you for it we praise you for it in Jesus name can someone say amen all right so I'm going to give you give you three good tidings today number one is this and I love this number one you don't have to be afraid anymore well, I don't know. Yeah, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And and you may think, well, I mean, I'm not afraid of the dark anymore. I'm, I'm 40 and I can handle it now, but I couldn't back. then. No, check it out. I didn't realize how powerful fear was until about the last two years. And I'm like, whoa, fear is a powerful powerful force of the devil to come in and strip you of your faith and 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 to absolutely shake your entire world up but because of jesus you don't have to be afraid anymore and the biggest reason for that is we don't have to be afraid of dying anymore how do you mess with someone that's not even afraid of death think about that What what's the worst you can do to me i mean kill me i'm just going straight to heaven with jesus Threaten me with a good time. I'm not afraid of that. Check it out. Listen... Jesus came, and it says he defeated the last enemy. The last enemy was death. That was the thing that, that could absolutely scare every human being. But because of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of disaster coming upon the world. We don't have to be afraid of all the threats of the devil huffing and puffing. I'm going to blow your house down. I'm going to ruin your family. I'm going to steal your children. And we can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are not... I am not afraid because I've got Jesus as my Savior. All right, so I want you to look at a story this morning in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Now, we're going to look at a few stories. You're like, well, those aren't Christmas stories. Hey, they're Jesus stories, and that's all I need. John chapter 6, and what we have here is uh, Jesus and the disciples. They're out there in the water, and, uh, and this is the story of Jesus walking on the water. And it's an incredible story because Jesus says something very profound and very key in this. John chapter 6, we'll look at verses 16 through 21. And, and and I absolutely love this. John chapter 6, verse 16, it says, That evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. We're talking about a bad, bad storm. Now these are guys, they're professional sailors, they're professional fishermen. They know what it's like to have some troubled waters. They know what it's like to have a a, a stormy sea, but if it's catching these guys this bad This was a bad storm. This was not just a little breeze blowing through. This was the real deal. Verse 19, they had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. And guess what? They were terrified. What? I'm thinking, wait, Jesus just showed up. They were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid. I am here. Now, that's some of the most beautiful words in all the scripture right there, because no matter what it is I'm going through, the same Jesus that was right there is the same Jesus that is saying, listen here, Dave, don't be afraid. I'm here now. Everything's going to be all right. It wasn't five minutes ago, but guess what? Jesus is here. Don't be afraid. And look at this, verse 21. Then they were eager to let him in the boat. Now they thought, hey, yeah, come on in the boat, Jesus. And immediately they arrived at their destination. And I love this story because I was just reading this the other day. I'm like, man, there is like a bunch of lessons in this one story. I I mean, I I got so much out of this one story. And a few things that that I'll point out is this is, hey, These guys were supposed to be waiting on Jesus before they ever even set sail. But guess what? They got impatient with Jesus, and they took off without him. And then a storm came and nearly ate their lunch. Listen, I can say there's been times in my life that, I got impatient, and maybe I set sail without Jesus, and I'm like, I'll just do this thing on my own. I can't wait around for his timing, and because they couldn't wait for Jesus' timing, they decided we'll just do this on our own, and some bad stuff happened. And I don't think that I'm the only one, but maybe there's someone else in here today where you should have waited on Jesus, and we brought a little trouble into our life, and then we're like, hey, where is he? He was where he was supposed to be. Where were you? Where was I? I took off without Jesus, and I'm telling you right now, it tells us to wait upon the Lord. And sometimes we don't want to wait on the Lord. We want to get out there and do our thing now. But it's a dangerous thing to go do your thing now when you're supposed to be waiting on Jesus. I'm not getting in any boat without Jesus. I don't care what kind of boat it is. I'm going with Jesus. I remember one time we decided it would be a good idea to take a whale-watching tour off of the uh, coast of Long Beach. Well, the waters got a little bit rough, and let's just say several people in the party lost their lunch on that boat, and it was awful. But anyway, that's a free story. That's just, you know, take that and do what you want with that one. But anyway, another interesting component out of this story is this. You know, oftentimes we hear the story of, of uh, Jesus walking on water. Well, I don't know why, but I always imagine, you know, he had walked a short distance, or he was just... Did you see that? They were three to four miles out there at sea. Jesus walked three to four miles on water through the midst of a terrible storm to get to the people that he loved. And so what does that tell me? Jesus, he'll go, he won't he will stop at any uh, distance. He, he will go as far as it takes through as bad of a circumstance as it is to get there and rescue me and tell me, don't be afraid. Jesus didn't just walk 30 steps or 40 steps. He walked three to four miles on the water through the midst of a stormy sea. And I'm like, man, thank you, Jesus. There's no distance I can go. There's no place place I can hide there's no place too far or too crazy that I can go that Jesus still can't get to me and rescue me but another interesting part of this story that that I kind of lined up with what we saw in Luke 2 is the good news shows up the Messiah shows up and what's everybody's first reaction Ah, they all scream shepherds Sailors, strong, tough, manly men, every time that there's this bad situation and Jesus shows up, their first reaction is terror and fear. And I'm like, why is this? Don't you think that this would be the moment that you'd be like, oh, thank God someone's here to rescue us. There's a savior. There's a Messiah. And your first response is to scream like a little girl. Sorry, girls. I mean, you know, but you know what I mean, right? And so check it out. Why is that? And I have found this to be true, that sometimes in your worst moment, in, in your lowest moment, when the good news shows up, sometimes we are like, no, it, it couldn't possibly be true. No, there's no way. And really... This word gospel, we say gospel in English, but in, uh, in Greek it's another word, and while I wrote it down, I might as well just tell you what the real word, you angelion, this word, it is an exaggeration word that the Greek people would use, and, and in fact, it was a word they didn't even use that much because it meant too good to be true. It was just a whopper of a word, a word that, that they didn't use that often because it was such an extreme exaggeration. Whenever this word gospel was, was, would be used, that's like, we've got some gospel news for you, brother. What did that mean? That mean, we've got something so incredible, so big, so fantastic and spectacular that you wouldn't even believe it. And the gospel, it means the nearly too good to be true news. And I know that in my life, and I'll bet in your life, there's been times where, you know, man, I screwed up. I really did it this time. And if I'm going to get justice, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to have some bad consequences for some of the things that I've done. But then a perfect person shows up who never did wrong to anybody. He never did. He never sinned. He never cheated. He never did anything wrong. Mr. Perfect shows up and says, you know what? Hey, 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 you know what? How about this? How about um, I pay the price for all the bad things you did, and instead we'll give you a mansion. We'll give you streets of gold. We'll give you a river of life. We'll give you perfect joy for all of eternity if you'll just trade me. We'll trade lives. And I'm like, What? That doesn't sound, that sounds too good to be true is what that sounds like. That sounds like unbelievable, but guess what? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ that I screwed up, but he paid the price for my sins anyway, and he traded me a joy. For depression, he, he traded me peace for fear. He traded me healing for sickness. He traded me prosperity for poverty. He traded me the nasty little bit that I had for all of his goodness. That does not seem like it could possibly be true. But guess what? It's true that that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be afraid anymore because Jesus is on my side. Amen. And so one of the biggest weapons that Satan has is the weapon of fear. In fact, you don't have to turn there, but Luke twenty-one, twenty-six. if you were to study Luke 21, you'd see that Jesus, uh, it's the, all of that discourse, it's give, Jesus giving a list of all the things that the end times are going to be like right before he comes back. And one of the key things that he says in there about a sign of the end times is that people will be terrified. At what they see coming upon the earth. People will be terrified. In fact, the Passion Translation words it as it says that that the fear of doom will grip people's hearts. And I'm like, my gosh. There's a lot of things that Jesus, we would say, predicted or prophesied would happen uh, right before the end of the world. But one of the big things that he said the world would be like before he comes back is that it would be full of fear full of doom, people afraid at and, and, and what they see coming upon the earth. And I'm like, my goodness, Jesus, you nailed that one right on the head. Because if there's one thing that we see, it is fear trying to grip people's hearts. But Jesus, I've got good tidings for you. I've got good news today. Jesus is telling you, don't be afraid. I am here Jesus is here and you better you need to you need to also remember this someone needs to hear this that oftentimes we think about yeah that was great that Jesus was with them back then you realize that Jesus is alive right now right You do realize that, that that he's not a historic figure. He's literally a living person right now. He's in heaven, and he's coming back someday. But he did not cease to exist. This isn't just the history books. Jesus is just as much real and alive in 2021 as he was back then. And guess what? He didn't change. Well, yeah, he did that for them back then. He's doing the same thing he's always done because Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That wasn't a different Jesus that walked on water than, than today. He's the same Jesus. And if I was stuck out in the middle of the sea on a boat and Jesus needed to walk on the water to get to me, he could still do it today. If I was, if I was messed up like so many of those people were, he's doing the same thing today he didn't change and you need to not put jesus as being a historic figure way back in the day he's every bit as real and alive in 2021 as he was back then in 30 amen so jesus is not part of the past he is part of the present and our future second timothy 1 7 second timothy 1 7 let's do this i know i know a good percentage of you could quote this verse and I, I would say if there's a verse that you should memorize, you should memorize this one. There's a lot of verses you should memorize. But 2 Timothy 1.7. Now, I love this verse. But we're talking about fear for a minute here because the children of God are not to be controlled by fear. I will not make a decision based upon fear. I will make every decision based upon faith. In fact, the scripture tells us that anything that isn't of faith is sin. And so fear is not going to tell me where I can go and where I cannot go. It's not going to tell me what I can buy and what I can't buy. It's not going to tell me how much I can give to those in need. I'm going to do it by faith. Fear is not going to control my life. Amen? I will not be controlled by fear. Why? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. If you've got a spirit of fear, God didn't give it to you. Well, I don't know, man. These guys are all bold and courageous over. They got so much faith. I've got this spirit of fear. Why did God, why did God make me fearful? God didn't make you fearful. You know what God, God did give to you a spirit of power. Power and of love, and of a sound mind. And praise God, I know you may be asking for a lot of things this Christmas, like, I wanted an iPad for Christmas, I wanted an Xbox. Guess what, brother, I've got something a whole lot better than an Xbox. We could get you a spirit of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Come on! That's good news! That's really good news that I don't have to be controlled by fear. Well, I wonder what's going to happen next year. I wonder what's going to happen if if this is going to happen. and, And what if they say this? And what if they do that? It doesn't matter what they do. I've got a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Jesus is alive and he's on my side. And I win every single time because of Jesus. Amen. So, hey, we're talking about good tidings. Number one, you don't have to be afraid anymore. That's really good news. And number two, you are never alone. You are never alone. And all the parents are like, hey, tell me about it. I don't get any alone time anymore. Hey, I feel you on that one. But I'm also, but listen, on top of that, it, I'll put a good light on this, that you are never Ever alone. And I know we all might acknowledge this fact to some certain extent. And I found out as I've uh, been in ministry longer and longer, there's a whole lot of things I can say just like this statement. And most people will mentally acknowledge that it's a fact, but they don't get the revelation in their heart. It's one thing to know something in your head. You can memorize You know, mathematical equations, you can get knowledge upstairs, but it's a whole other thing when you get the revelation in your heart. And so if I walked up to anybody that claimed to be a Christian and said, you're never alone. Amen. Yeah, I get that. Cool. I get it. But somebody that has it in their heart, I could say, man, you're never alone. Hallelujah. I know it. Isn't that really good news? It's a whole different ball game, And so I would say even in this room, there's a certain percentage of people that I will say, you're never alone. Amen, I know that, praise God. But there's also a whole other group of people that are like, I'm never alone. No matter what the devil throws at me, I've got Jesus on my side, and I'm not fighting this thing on my own. I'm fighting this with Jesus. So I'm telling you today, I've got good tidings. You are never alone. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. We're looking at stories about Jesus today. Amen. Is there anybody in here that you love Jesus? You love him, man. Wow. I don't fully comprehend Jesus. I don't have, I don't have the full understanding of how incredible he is, but the little bit that I do Grasp and comprehend, man, it's incredible. Jesus is the real deal. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to look here at verse 20, Matthew 28 and verse 20. And so Jesus said to his disciples, teach these new disciples, all right, to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. OK, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age, or even to the end of the world. He said, you need to be sure of this. That's a big statement. Be sure. Don't forget this. Never forget that even though I may be going up to heaven right now, I am with you always, even until the end of the world, even until the end of the age. So how often is Jesus with us? Always. He is always with us. That's some good tidings right there. <laughs> That's some really good news right there. And I'm thankful that I was taught this reality as a child, man. They, I, I knew from the time that I was a kid that no matter what is going on around me, no matter what difficulty may arise at school, no matter what's going on in this world, Jesus is always with me. And so I can't stress this point enough. I can't let you know enough how important it is that we teach our children these truths. Your kids need to know that they are never alone, that Jesus is always with them. No matter what comes against them, Jesus is always with them. I can think of so many different times in my life where it seemed like, man, I, I, this is a bad spot. This is not what I wanted to be happening right now, but guess what? Praise the Lord. Jesus is with me. I'm not facing this thing on my own. And so, uh, you guys can ignore the camera, people. I'm up here. <laughs> so, listen to me. I was thinking of this, uh, you know, I, I've, I've gone through a few surgeries now at this point in time. And uh, after one of the surgeries that I had dealt with, the nurses and the doctors came in and they said, hey... Uh, something happened. There's a little, uh, little, uh, something, something went wrong (laughs) and we got to do something to you, but we don't have time to numb you. We don't have time to knock you out. We've just got to do this to you right now. And so it's going to hurt. And I'm like, well, that's not what you want to (laughs) hear. My God, give me every bit of medicine you have in this place. Knock me out and wake me up after the new year, but I don't want to feel this. And they like, we've got to do this now. So anyway, they go, you know, brace yourself, brace for impact. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll be honest, it was a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. But at the same time, I was like, you know what, praise God. Uh, Jesus is in this room right now. Whatever they're fixing to do. <laughs> I am not facing this alone. And you may think I'm crazy, but I, I actually keep my, my phone background, but it's over there, is a picture of Jesus. <laughs> and, and you know, people see that and they laugh like, what is that man? Tell you what. It may be funny now, but when they're getting ready to do something to you and you need to stare into the eyes of Jesus, it's a real good thing. So I'm like, you guys do what you got to do. Don't mind me. I'm looking at Jesus right now. And it may sound silly, but I'm telling you what. Jesus is always with us. There is not a thing in this world that I have to face on my own. There's not a moment that I have to say, man, I'm all alone. There's nobody with me. Jesus said, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He is with us always, even until the end of the world. And so when you know that Jesus is always with you, that changes your entire outlook on life. Every situation that you face You go into it knowing that you have the advantage. Sickness doesn't have an advantage over me. The economy, evil people, robbers and thieves and bad guys, they don't have an advantage over me. Every situation that I face, I have the upper hand. Why? Because Jesus is on my side. He's for me. He's not against me. And when you get this in your heart, every situation, every fight, every storm, every battle that you come up against, you see yourself as having the upper hand and the advantage. Amen. And so, you know, hey, and I know. That. My victory is not dependent upon how strong I am. My victory is dependent upon how I cling to Jesus. It's not about my ability to be strong. It's about my ability to cling to Jesus. And so many times people, you know, people misquote a lot of scriptures. And people are like, hey, well, you know, the good book says to be strong. It doesn't say that. It says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Matthew nineteen twenty six. people say, hey, all things are possible, okay? It doesn't say that. Jesus himself said that with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now, with you, on your own, without God, There's a lot of impossibilities that you just can't do. I don't care how smart you are, how much money you've got, how beautiful you are, how whatever you are. With God, all things are possible. And we need to get that revelation in our hearts today. With God, all things are possible. All right? So I'm talking about good tidings of great joy. Amen? And so, number one, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Can you say that with me? Say, I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to be afraid anymore. Amen? You don't have to be afraid anymore. And then, number two, you are never alone. Ever. And the third thing that I'm going to tell you today is this. Number three, you're going to win. You're going to win. Well, you can't guarantee that. I can guarantee a victory. Well, I don't know if you... I can, and I'm going to show you how. But look at this. Let's flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We can guarantee a victory. We can guarantee the W in your life on certain conditions. So look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Who's grateful for some good tidings today? Man, I love it. I am grateful for the good news, for the good tidings of Jesus. So we're talking about right now, you are going to win. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul writes this. I'm in the King James here, the good old King James. It says, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, He always and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. But check this out. How often do we triumph when we're in Christ? That's not a trick question. I'm going to try that again. Listen, how often will I triumph if I'm doing it in Christ? Always. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. Now, there's been times in my life when I've taken the L. There's been times in my life when I've taken a big fat loss, but I can tell you this much. There's never been a time that I've lost when I was doing things God's way. When I was in Christ Jesus, doing it his way, I have won every single fight that I've been in, whether it be cancer, whether it be kid troubles, whether it be marriage troubles, whether it be church troubles, every single By every single attack from the devil that has come against me, I've won 100% of the time, if I have been doing it God's way. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And so I'm asking you, in your situation that you're facing right now, are you handling this situation God's way? Or are you handling it your way? It's not a trick question, it's for you to answer. But whatever the struggle is, whatever the fight is that's coming against you, can you be honest and say, I'm, yeah, I'm doing this God's way, or are you trying to do it your way? Well, I know the Bible says this, but it makes a whole lot more sense if I would just do it this way over here. You have no guarantees for victory if you're doing things your way. You have a 100% chance of success If you'll do it God's way, even if God's way doesn't make any sense to your mind, you've got to get it in your heart. And if God's word says, no, you do it this way, you do it that way and you will win every single time. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. I remember when I was three and I had leukemia and I was in the hospital and 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 my parents, they were not messing around. They knew this boy's getting out of this hospital. He will walk out of here. He's healed in the name of Jesus, but we're going to do it God's way. And so I, I, you know, I was a little guy. I was three and a half. But I remember people would come. They would drive to Indianapolis to come see me in the children's hospital. People coming in with tears and crying and feeling so sorry for poor little baby David. And my parents would say, we love you. Thank you for coming. Uh, you can't come in. <laughs> Uh, and like, well, that's rude. They came in to, to give their, you know, condolences and to give their mercy and their pity. I didn't need condolences and mercy and pity. I needed faith that Jesus was gonna heal me. Amen. And so, listen, if you're in a bad spot, you better get real serious right now and do things God's way. And if you need healing, you better surround yourself with people of faith, not people of pity. You better surround yourself with the Word of God, not all the news and all the facts and WebMD and Google. You better surround yourself by faith. And when I was there as a little kid, not doing well, in the hospital, I was surrounded by faith 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Fear was not allowed in to the room. And I'm telling you, in your life, whatever it is you've got going on, you better make a decision today. Fear is not allowed into this house. Fear ain't allowed. You are not allowed to come in here with doubt. You're not allowed to come in here with fear. I would fight fear out of my house harder than I would fight a disease. I would fight it harder than I'd I'd fight a burglar coming into my house. Fear can do more damage to you than a thief can. Fear can do more damage to you than some stupid, wicked person Fear can jack your life up. You fight that devil. You fight that fear and keep it out of your house in the name of Jesus. And because Jesus was born, I don't have to be afraid anymore because I am never, ever alone. And I win every fight that I find myself in because of how good Jesus is. And I do things his way. Can I get an amen today? I'm going to look at one final story, all right? I know I'm pushing my time limit here, but i got one more story, and it's beautiful because it's going to prove every point that I've made today. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 3 real quick. Well, now I know this isn't a Christmas story. This is Daniel. Jesus wasn't even in the book of Daniel. Jesus was in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Amen. And so I'm going to look here at uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what this is, is we've got the people of Judah, all right? Israel had been split in. They, they had a little falling out. So you had Israel split into two. The northern uh, portion of Israel, uh, state Israel, the southern portion became Judah. And then the Assyrians overtook the northern region and the babylonians overtook the people of judah and so they were in a bad spot but here we are in daniel chapter 3 and the people of judah the jewish people they were captive to the babylonians and the king is this crazy crazy man named nebuchadnezzar and he says hey i don't care what your beliefs are i don't care what your religion is I built this 90-foot-tall statue. Every time my band plays the music, you've got to bow down to the statue. I don't care if you want to or not. Everybody has to do it. Nobody's exempt. And you'd think that out of some of these people, somebody would have some guts to stand up, but nobody did. Everybody complied and bowed down and did exactly what they were told to do, because if you didn't do it, they throw you into the fire. And so everybody, they're like, I don't want to do this, but I'll bow down. And everybody was just going along with it. Nobody stood up until these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they're like, we ain't bowing down to that thing. You can kill us. We will not bow down. No matter what. And so Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 23, it says, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Wait, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Come on, these guys are in the fire. They are in the flames, and it turns out they weren't in there alone. Now, if there's ever been a bad... I've been in some bad spots. I've never been in a spot that bad. I've never had anybody tie me up hand and foot and throw me in to the fire. But even if I was thrown into the fire, praise God, Jesus is still with me. And so three men are thrown in and four men appear in the fire. And the fourth looks like a god. The Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach! Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Man, can you imagine? Wouldn't that just feel good right there? I mean, that would just be like, I would step out with a little bit of style. I'd step out and say... You didn't get me. (laughs) You tried your best. You're going to have to try again. It wasn't enough. Amen. And so they step out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. I love this story because you know who that fourth man was. That was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ himself. And we look all throughout the Old Testament, even though Jesus wasn't born of the Virgin Mary until the New Testament, Jesus all throughout the Old Testament, you see him showing up in situations. And this was one of those where this fourth man, this was Jesus himself In the fire with these guys. So what am I saying? They weren't afraid because they knew they weren't going to be in the fire alone. They knew that they were going to have God Almighty backing them up. And then, of course, they knew they were going to win this fight. And I've got good tidings for you today. I've got really good news for you today. You are going to win if you'll do things Jesus way. Guaranteed, you're gonna win. There's nothing too big, nothing too strong, nothing too nasty in this world that can take you out if you're doing things God's way. I'm going to just quote one more verse. I'll have them put it on the screen, I think. Isaiah 43-2, it says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And what do I love about Jesus? I see all these religions of the world that they're walking through fire to try to get to their God. They're cutting themselves and sacrificing themselves, trying to get to their God, but my God walked through the fire to get to me. My God sacrificed His body to get to me. That's Jesus right there. Amen? That's good news. You are going to win if you'll do things His way. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Thank you for listening to this podcast.